All right. Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers podcast, where only one of us is an actual father, and none of us are priests. My name is Trey Stinky Fingers Jose, the only actual father on this podcast. Today, I am joined only by Tyler Baker Bierbach. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well, and I am still not a priest. Still not a priest, not yet. Uh, you have probably as much sex as a priest, so you might as well be one. Uh, Ouch! <laughs> Ouch! Shots fired. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're starting off rough here. So, <laughs> if you can't tell by now, we are missing Jimbo James Dreer. He is busy uh, doing life stuff. So, yeah, he's not here right now. He will be with us soon, but not today. So, this episode, uh, I just want to say thank you, thank you for listening. But in this episode, we are doing our Week Eleven start or sits for the early games. We're going to go through every early game, that is Thursday night football and Sunday morning football. Talk about the players we like, players we don't like on both sides of the ball in every single game. But before we dive into that, we'll just do all the familiarity stuff. If you are listening on whatever platform you are, make sure you follow, like, subscribe, whatever you got to do. Make sure you get our episode notifications. And if you're feeling frisky, give us five stars. Just do it. Don't even think about it. Five stars only. And if you want to interact with us, get our opinions on things, on who you want to start, who you, just anything you want to do fantasy football wise, you can hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Uh, we love interacting on Twitter, even though we don't post very much stuff. We will reply to DMs or any kind of <laughs> ads, things like that. So yeah, hit us up at the FF Fathers, and we'll give you our best advice that we can. So without further ado, I don't think I missed anything, right, Ty? Nah, I think we're good. Right on. Well, let's just yeah, let's just dive right into it. But I said that too soon. Let's talk about the bye weeks because it's very <laughs> important this week. <laughs> well, I mean that's that's kind of diving in. The bye weeks are important. It is, yeah. So let's dive into the bye weeks, just so you know everyone's <laughs> aware. If you haven't heard by now, we got four pretty important teams on bye this week. First team's gonna be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, you know we have Travis Etienne on there. Um, you're going to look for someone to replace him. we got the Miami Dolphins on by. Obviously, a great set of receivers. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. Tua's been absolutely killing it. Uh, Jeff Wilson looks pretty good. Can't have him this week, though. We also got the Seattle Seahawks on by. Kenny Walker, Geno Smith, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Can't have him this week. And also, the last team, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And really, the only fantasy-relevant players on their team right now would probably be uh, Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette, maybe Chris Godwin. So we got a lot of players that we're going to be looking to replace this week if you have them on your team. Well, especially at the receiver position. I mean, you're talking about six or seven wide receiver, like top 20, 24 receivers, six for sure, uh, top 24 receivers that are not there this week. That's a major chunk. I mean, that's you know 25% of guys you would normally start at the wide receiver position. So yeah, it's going to be a little rough at the uh, for wide receivers this week for a lot of people. Well, in this first game for Thursday Night Football, there might be someone you can replace them with, someone who was a waiver wire darling. We'll talk about them in a second. Yep. But the first game we're going to talk about, Thursday Night Football, we got the Titans playing in Green Bay against the Packers. The Packers are our only three-point favorites. The over-under is 41 points, pretty low for a Vegas standards. And if you don't pay attention... It's going to be pretty damn cold in Green Bay. So it's going to be one of them frisky, or what do you call it, brisky games uh, up in Lambeau Field. 
So I, I already kind of uh, talked about it a little bit. Let's just talk about it right now. Christian Watson, waiver wire darling this week after his three touchdown performance against the Cowboys last week. He didn't get much love all year, but he finally did last week from Aaron Rodgers. Do you think this is a sign of things to come for the rest of the season, or is he still you know, taking that backseat to Alan Lazard? You know, obviously, we're not going to expect him to to go for, you know, the 107 yards that we saw from him last week, every week, but not to mention, and the three touchdowns. Um, Lazard, I think, is still going to be the wide receiver one in this situation, but I think you can now rely on Christian Watson as a wide receiver two or flex play going forward. And the biggest thing reason for it is because Watson, I think, has now earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers, which is the biggest thing when it comes to um, really any quarterback wide receiver relationship, but especially with Aaron Rodgers, because we all know that Aaron Rodgers is petty as hell. And if you do something that he doesn't like, whether it be a wrong route, drop a ball, whatever it may be, he'll put you on his shit list for until he determines not to, or he didn't have a choice. I think like in this last game where Christian Watson was his only option to throw the ball to. Yeah, I totally agree. And being on the shit list with Aaron Rodgers apparently takes about 10 weeks to get off of because if we haven't, <laughs> if we forgot by now, it was like, I think one of the first plays of the Packers season, he threw a deep ball to Christian Watson. He was wide open. It was, was going to be a touchdown. touchdown. Yeah. And it, he dropped it. <laughs> it was Christian Watson's first target of his career. It would have been a walk in 75 yard touchdown and he dropped it. Yeah, and it took 10 weeks to recover from, so uh, it looks, <laughs> looks like he's about back. Yeah, um, yeah. so Christian Watson looks pretty good this week, especially with all the wide receivers being out. Uh, with the running back situation on Green Bay, looks like Aaron Jones is still dealing with a shin injury. He was limited in practice on Wednesday, and he is expected to be able to play today, if you're listening, because this episode comes out on Thursday. So Aaron Jones should be good to go. Um Obviously, A.J. Dillon's his backup. A.J. Dillon's been very underwhelming this season. With Aaron Jones being somewhat injured, are you looking at A.J. Dillon in a a brighter view? No, not at all. This is the same injury he was dealing with last week. He was limited in practice all week. Still came out and had a full workload, 24 carries. Yeah, He went for the 138 yards and a touchdown against Dallas's vaunted defense. So I think... The Packers have found something. I think we said this a couple weeks ago. Also, when they beat, when they you know gave Buffalo a run and really ran the ball well against them, I think they're figuring this out. Like you need to give Aaron Jones the ball because that's the catalyst of your offense right now. Him running the ball well is what opens up all the passing lanes and all the play action passes that makes really easy throws for Aaron Rodgers. And when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers able to basically you know pick his first option every time, he's gonna kill it like he always is. I mean, he's obviously one of the greatest of all time, but when you make the game even more simple for a guy with his caliber, he's going to destroy defenses. But that starts with Aaron Jones being able to run the ball. Yep, I totally agree. The NFL has changed quite a bit, but one thing hasn't got to be able to run the goddamn ball, and Aaron Jones can do it pretty well. And anytime you do it, it's going to open up that offense. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, Aaron Rodgers surprisingly has not really been you know a must-start guy like he has been most of his career but he is coming off the best game of the season now he gets a pretty good matchup against the titans so you know this week we're throwing aaron Rodgers in the lineup right yeah i mean he's a great streaming option which we have never said about aaron Rodgers once in his career about him being a <laughs> streaming option he was a plug and play sit it and forget it type of guy you know and then then you're like ah oh, damn he's on bye week this week who am I going to pick up instead? Like that was the only time you ever took him out of your lineup. 
So it's weird to say it, but yeah, he's a great streaming option this week. Yeah, he definitely is. I'm I'm curious right now. What, do, do you know off the top of your head what Aaron Rodgers his uh his rostered percentages in fantasy leagues? Actually, uh, I'm pulling 77%. It up right now. It's seventy seven percent right now. Forty three percent start. So he is rostered on a lot of on a lot of teams. Um, obviously the start percentage is low. So that means that there's a lot of people out there, you know, carrying two quarterbacks. I know you and I don't tend to do that. Um, if we have, we'll, we'll ride with one quarterback the whole season. And then if we need to drop him for the bye week or put him to the bench to pick up somebody else in that, you know, for that one week, we will. But for the most part, we ride with our quarterbacks uh, all year and there's no need to carry a second one. Rogers country. Let's ride. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like I retired about six weeks ago. Oh, yeah, it's been buried. Yeah, for sure. We got to visit the tombstone on Let's Ride for the Broncos, <laughs> at least. Um, let's talk about the Titans. Yeah, their passing game finally existed last week. And the person who... <laughs> it existed. It did it because it has it. We talked about it all, like, plenty of times. You know, I know, it has it. It's just funny the way you put it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, they, they've struggled to pass, you know, surpass 200 passing yards in just about every single game this year. But it, when the game, their passing game finally looked good, Nick Westbrook Akine was the person who came out on top as far as fantasy performance. You know, he had eight targets, five catches, 119 yards, two touchdowns. Do you think they're finally rocking with him or this just like, you know, a one time kind of performance? I mean, it's probably a one time deal. It's weird that when they finally get the passing game going, it's a third string receiver that that gets all the work. I mean, Traylon Burks and Robert Woods did nothing in this game. It was all uh, Nick Westbrook Akinye. So I don't believe that he's going to be able to you know replicate that that offense or you know that production. And I don't think this team will uh, as a passing offense either. Um, I think still this week you are riding and dying with Derrick Henry and no one else. Yeah, I totally agree. Nothing much has changed. And just from, you know, the seven leagues that I'm in for fantasy football, I didn't see a huge push for Nick Westbrook Akine. So it really seems like the fantasy community is they agree with us. It's a one off performance. Got to ride with Derrick Henry and that's it. So let's talk about the next game here. The Bears playing in Atlanta against the Falcons. The Falcons are three point favorites. Oh, runners, 50 points. That's uh, kind of surprising. That is significantly higher than the Titans-Packers game. Oh, definitely. But they're also playing, you know, in a dome in the South, so it should probably be a lot, uh, you know, better and weather it's not for on football. Thursday night. There's something about Thursday night football that just makes teams play like shit. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Probably, you know, that short week and the fact that it's fucking Thursday, dude. I feel like <laughs> if you're playing Thursday night football, it's like doing anything at work on a Monday if you work on 9 to 5. Just like the, today, it's too early. Uh, just got to let the week progress a little bit before I'm a full person. Yeah. This isn't the so, Mac action, yeah. damn it. This isn't a what? Mac. Because the, the Mac always plays on Thursday nights the, for college football. So they call it Mac action every Thursday night. Oh, uh, well, God damn it, Ty. We're talking about the NFL right now. <laughs> Don't talk about college football. That's what I'm so. saying. That's why it's so bad. Because you never even heard of the Mac. 
Yeah, honestly, yeah, fuck it. The Mac is whack, just like the whack division in college basketball. But that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, The Bears, they placed Khalil Herbert on IR with the hip injury. Obviously, uh, that means he's out for at least four weeks. There is a chance he's back this season, but for fantasy football, that means he's out for us. He's not going to really do anything for anybody. That means David Montgomery is fully cemented as RB1 the rest of the season, even though he already was RB1. Right now, it's it's 100% go-go for this guy. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, he already was that, that person, um, but... Herbert did cut in a little bit um, when he came when Montgomery came back from injury, so a little different that way. Um, the new backup running back, I don't think I've ever heard of him. His name is Tristan Ebner. You ever heard that name? Um, no, yeah, never. He's a rookie <laughs> out of Baylor, so um, I highly doubt he plays at all. Maybe gets a couple carries here or there. Uh, shoot in Dynasty though, if you got a taxi squad space, they're trusting Edna in there, you know. That's my first thought. Yeah, but I mean I, I wouldn't because Khalil Herbert's gonna be back next season. And even if they get rid of Montgomery, Herbert's the next man up. Ebner is just some guy. Yeah, but it's a taxi squad. I mean the third place on my taxi squads are just totally up for grabs. So <laughs> I feel like I could I would throw him in there. Maybe your dynasty team looks better than mine, but that's how I feel about the third spot on my taxi squads. I mean, my third spot on my taxi squad is Desmond Ritter, so I like that. Okay, rub it in then. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the the passing side of the ball, you know, the Bears still, they're not throwing that much, but it doesn't really matter when uh, Justin Fields is running all over the place. He has the most... 150 yards a game. Yeah, he has the most rushing yards by a quarterback in a five-game stretch in NFL history. The number is actually surprisingly low. I think it was like 580 yards. I'm surprised no other quarterback has done that, considering you know the Michael Vicks, um, yeah, Jalen Hurts around now. This there's been quite a few guys that were good at running the ball, but they never got more than 580 yards in five straight games. So that's interesting. I mean, th- that is asking a quarterback to average what like almost 120 yards a game. I mean, those are running back numbers. So. Even with guys as dynamic as Michael Vick and and Lamar Jackson, that's a really high number to hit. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. So obviously Justin Fields, he's a must start, but um, you really can't look past Cole Komet. The last few weeks, um, we thought it might be a fluke. Last week, you know, he had five touchdowns in three games, I think. And goddamn it, Cole Komet just did it again. But, you know, I think that's a good time for me to bring out a little victory lap. I've become known as Victory Lap Jose on this podcast. I loved him all preseason, but, God, the beginning of the season was horrible. He seems to be putting together a good stretch right now. Um, You got to roll with Cole Komet now, right? I mean, I think so, but I don't think you should be able to take a victory lap when you jumped off that train about six weeks ago. Yeah, I, I jumped off the train, but I still rostered him. Still got him, baby. <laughs> so didn't no, cut him. But <laughs> I think you absolutely do. Cole Komet has become the number one option in this passing game, even though they're not throwing very much. And yes, five touchdowns in three games, it doesn't seem very sustainable. But he's also the biggest target in the red zone right now. Four of those touchdowns have come within the red zone. That's huge. That means he's getting the looks when it's most 
valuable to fancy owners. So even though you might see it as mostly a streaming option, um, and it could be, you know, he could fall back off off the face of this cliff. Um, but as of right now, like he's getting the, those valuable looks. So he's absolutely wor- worth a stream. He's a stream with an extremely high ceiling. Definitely. I mean, at worst, you know, he he's definitely top 10. So, yeah, you got to throw him in that lineup. Roll with old Cole. Start, it's going to be a Cole winner, baby. At least I hope so. Uh, not up here, but uh, fantasy-wise. And um, let's talk about the Falcons. You know, speaking of not throwing the ball very much, the Falcons just don't Yeesh. throw the ball. Sheesh, they don't throw the fucking ball. It's horrible. So, you know, with that being said, they are a pretty competitive team, but that doesn't really matter when it comes to fantasy. We want to know who's scoring the points, who's getting the yards. So who are we rocking with? You know, we got basically five players we're considering on this team. Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Marcus Mariota. I'll just start off right now by saying there's three names out of there that stick out to me of people that I can trust for the most part, which would be Tyler Algier, um, Drake London, and Marcus Mariota. I really don't want to touch Cordero Patterson or Kyle Pitts because the inconsistency. Marcus Mariota is a little inconsistent, but he is still worth starting, in my opinion. And Drake London, with all the receivers being out, he's been doing pretty good the last couple weeks, so I like him. And Tyler Algier continues to put up decent numbers. So you got to roll with him. I'm going to completely say no to Drake London. He's had what since week three, he has not scored more than five points up until last week in week 10. He went six straight games scoring five points or less. He's getting good targets, though. That's cool, I mean, man. If the targets don't turn in production, then what's the then what's the point? Uh, yeah, I guess. But yeah, we're wide receivers are thin this week. You can they see are. a lot of Drake they, London. They are. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a receiver on a more explosive offense offense before I take Drake London. The three guys I would consider this week would be the guys that can run the ball. So Mariota, Patterson, and Algier. I don't know what happened last week against Carolina um in terms of why Atlanta completely, you know, broke away from what made them good all season. Cordell Patterson only had five carries. Uh Algier wasn't much more than that, and Marcus Mariota didn't run a much a bunch either so i think this week they're going to turn that back around and be like hey uh let's get back to kind of our roots we know that marcus mario is not a great he's not a proficient you know at passer of the ball but he's a he's an athletic quarterback he's a decent runner so that, i think they're going to focus more back on that this week <clears throat> which is a good thing when it comes to playing the bears because the bears are really bad against running backs and just the rushing defense in general so i think that Mariota is a good streaming option this week, which I don't think I've said all season long, even though that's been your dude. Uh, um, hey, I've been saving think, a spot for you on the train, dude. Sit down. <laughs> I've been waiting. And I think that Patterson and Algier um, are both playable this week as well. I think you could see Patterson as an RB2 and Algier is a very good flex option. Yeah, I can mostly agree. And to kind of counter what I said about Drake London, he, he's averaging like less than nine yards per catch which is horrible so i it's a good you know i can believe what you're saying here this whole team deserves an asterisk you know it's there the whole team's inconsistent and you're really only going to hit with the running game like you said so i I can see what you're saying yeah i am kind of surprised that apparently they are not even considering going to desmond ritter right now um 
uh, the head Blasphemy. coach came out, Arthur Smith came out and said that like there's no competition there. It is Mariota's uh, team. I think that's kind of surprising. He's not taking them anywhere. They're not playing very good football. They can run the ball, sure, but they're not you know scaring anybody by any means. At this point in the season, why not give the rookie a shot and see what you have in him? I I don't understand it, but at this point, I think Desmond Ritter should be the starter. Ah, God, I hate to say it, but I do kind of agree with you. I love Marcus Mariota. As if you've been listening, you know, I've just been all about him all season, <clears throat> mostly during the preseason. But yeah, he looked pretty good during the preseason as far as Desmond Ritter goes. He looked good, showed some good flashes, good potential. And I agree with you. They should just throw him out there. He might yeah. as well at this point. I mean, they were number honestly, one in the division, but not yeah. Anymore. And honestly, when it comes to like the passing options for Kyle Pitts and Drake London, there's no way Desmond Ritter can be any worse getting them the ball than Marcus Mariota has. Okay, don't be so disrespectful, but yeah, um, <laughs> Mariota's a decent fantasy you. streaming option because what he gives you on the ground. But I mean, he they just don't throw the ball with him in there. They just don't. Yeah, I'm with you, and they got to throw the goddamn ball. They haven't thrown the ball more than, uh, well, they did throw it 32 times a week one, but, I mean, we have m- multiple weeks where they threw the ball less than 20 times. That's insane, yeah. especially in 2022. <laughs> hey, real quick, because the, the Bears don't like to throw the ball either. Over under 40 total pass attempts in this game. <clears throat> Between both teams? Yeah, yeah, total pass attempts. Oh, I had to say over, but it's not going to be very high. All right, I'll bump it up 40, 45. I'm not, 50 seems way too high. That's 25 apiece. That seems way too high. 45. Fuck. I'm still taking the over on this. Okay. I think I honestly, I think I didn't even take 50. the under. I think I take the under even at 40 right now. Um, I think this is going to be both teams suck at, suck on defense against the running backs. So I have a feeling there can be a lot of just, there's going to be like an old school type of like, you know, early 60s type of game um, before the forward pass became like a major weapon in the game. Okay. Yeah. So Dave Montgomery rushing for 250 yards. I see it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that seems like a lot, but I mean, he's going to have a good day. Yeah, he definitely should. Let's move on to the next game here. <clears throat> the Cleveland Browns are going up to Buffalo to pay the bills. The Bills are eight-point favorites, as they should be. The over-under is only 41 points, which means the Bills apparently are just going to absolutely kick the Browns' ass, according to Vegas. But we got a wild turn of events here up in Buffalo. The forecast for this game is calling for seven feet of snow. We're talking 84 inches. We're talking shack <laughs> snow. Like, like seven feet, maybe, like... Um, who else is seven feet? Who who's that skinny white kid that plays basketball? Uh, Chet. That's Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren. We got Chet Holmgren feet of snow. Okay, so <clears throat> it should be interesting. They're, they're talking about possibly postponing this game, or maybe even just moving the game to Detroit, playing in that dome over there. There are a bunch of fantasy relevant players for this matchup. If they do play in this blizzard, seven feet of snow, who are you playing on these teams? <laughs> um, I mean, as like you have to, I don't, you don't want to say it because like you probably have to play, um, uh, Stephon Diggs. But I mean, can you really rely on him? You know, scoring 
10 points because if they are playing in a blizzard, how much are they really going to be able to pass the ball? So I think you can absolutely rely on uh, Nick Chubb, obviously. And I think then you can even look towards Devin Singletary, who actually had a nice little game last week as well with the injury to to uh, Josh Allen in that elbow, so they didn't throw the ball as much. But Singletary had his best day of the year, having 13 carries. I mean, he only had 47 yards, but he did score two touchdowns. So um, I don't know, man. It's really keep an eye on this game. If they end up moving it or postponing it, it completely changes it, changes what you can do. Um, but if they decide to play this game, you know, at 1 p.m. Eastern in the middle of a blizzard over there, then I think you can rely on Nick Chubb and Josh Allen. Because, I mean, I think you can throw Singletary into your flex, but I wouldn't rely on him so much. But I think everybody else, you're kind of, you know, praying that someone would score a touchdown when it comes to receiving options. Yeah, I'm with you. If it's snowing during the game, I'm 1,000% with you. If this blizzard happens to, you know, settle before the game, which it probably won't because it's going to be in the morning. And if you're from the north, you know it always, if it's snowing, it's going to be snowing in the morning. So that's for damn sure. I mean, so you know how long has to consistently snow to pile up seven feet? I feel like it's going to be snowing for like 24 hours straight. I don't think it matters when the game's being played, honestly. Yeah, that's a good point. But, you know, if they have time to get the snow off the field, it could be a little different. But, yeah, that is a good point. It's probably going to be snowing all day over there. So, yeah, I totally agree. It's a very iffy game. If you can avoid playing, you know, a lot of those players, I definitely would. But it'd be really hard to sit someone like Stefan Diggs, you know. Yeah, I'm not saying that you necessarily would. Because, I mean, even, like, a guy that's on your bench, the chances of him outplaying even what Stefan Diggs can do in the snow it seems really it seems very slim. Um, I'm going to take the chance that Stefan ends up finding his way into the end zone and, you know, roll with that. He's he's a stud. He's a stud for a reason. And so you're not going to bench him. But I would certainly temper expectations. Well, here, here's a good one. Uh, for personal reasons, I'll just throw this out there because I have Amara Cooper in a few leagues. He's been doing pretty good. But you, you think Amara Cooper is about that business? Seven feet of snow? You going to start Amara Cooper? Because he's at least flex-worthy. Yeah, I mean, without the snow, I guess it depends on the league you're in. Like for me, like for personally, I have um, Amari Cooper in just our dynasty league, and our our dynasty league is a double flex fourteen team league. So like, you're not you don't have a whole lot of depth on any team, right? Like every week you're struggling to find someone to really put in those flex positions because of how deep it is and how many guys just aren't available to play. Um, so like for instance, in that one, I'm still, ha- I don't have a choice, but to throw Amari Cooper in, in your more traditional PPR league or half PPR and, you know, 10 or 12 team league, you probably have a better chance of, you know, finding someone to replace him. But with that being said, you're right. He's been on a tear for most of the season. And like, do you have a better option? Unlikely, but maybe so just because Amari Cooper at the same time was being drafted what in probably the ninth or 10th round in a lot of leagues. So yeah, you might have a better think. option. I mean, it's hard to say. I I know that's not a very definitive answer. It's just this: the weather makes this game so hard to figure out what you're going to do with it that I think you really have to base it off of what your roster looks like. Uh, and, you know, you're at the, t- the point in the season, like, do you need to try to be a little more gutsy to get a win to, you know, get yourself into the postseason? Then you have to roll, you know, be a little more, more risk-reward based. So, 
Um, if you're a guy who's you're pretty much, you know, you have one or two losses in the season, you're pretty much locked in the playoffs. Maybe you play a little more conservative. I think it, there's too many variables right now for me to de- definitively say do this or do that with these players when it comes to this weather. I'll just say if there's going to be seven feet of snow, I would love to see it and I would love to see a game played in it. Be very, very oh, interesting. For sure. For sure. I mean, I'm not sure if it's going to be televised over here on the West Coast, you know, in our 10 a.m. slot. But I hope it is, because if it's stolen like that, like that's that's must see television. The last time I remember seeing something like that was back when Shady McCoy was on the Bills and he had a game winning, like 20 yard touchdown run because the dude couldn't stay on his feet. And somehow he made a juke of the century in the, you know, a foot of snow. Yeah, you know, with that being said, if you can't watch the game with where you're at and you want to know some good uh, streaming sites that are <laughs> legal, we got you covered. We got you covered. But in order to do that, you got to hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. DM us, and I'll give you those links, my man. Yeah. We got to get creative. I've been on the watching West Coast. everything. Yes, sir. We get creative over here up in the Northwest. Let's talk about the next game, though. Philadelphia Eagles playing in Indianapolis against the Colts. The Eagles are six and a half point favorites. The over-under is 43 and a half points. The Eagles have been bit with the injury bug, especially with their pass catchers, Dallas Godair. Um, Looks like as far as Indianapolis goes, he's not going to go there because he's going to be out for an extended period of time with a shoulder injury. A.J. Brown is dealing with an ankle injury, which you know kept him in a limited practice fashion on Wednesday. And so was Devonta Smith, limited on Wednesday with a knee injury. A.J. Brown himself said he'll be fine for, on Sunday, but he didn't really look like himself last week. So uh, I feel like I would approach this cautiously. Obviously, A.J. Brown, if he's healthy, he's a must start. But um, if they... You know, send him out in this game. Are you starting AJ Brown? Yeah, I mean, you have to. The, the, he's too explosive overall, and he didn't. Uh, like, I mean, he didn't look great the the whole game, and he twisted really early. I think sometime about midway through the first quarter, and he didn't look great himself after that. I think he only had four targets for the game, one catch. It was, you know, by far his worst game of the season. But if he's playing, you're starting him. There's just no way around that. It's, he's too explosive. He's too. He's too talented. This offense is too explosive. So. I think you have to start him regardless if he's playing. Yep, I'm with you. And, you know, since him and Devontae Smith are probably both going to play because they're practicing limited, you know, at this point in the week. Do you think Devonta Smith is going to be a start, like be start worthy because Dallas Godera is out? You think his usage increases? I mean, I kind of hope so. They use, I mean, Godera, like even though it's, it's been kind of quiet. He's quietly the second leading tight end in receiving yards on the season. They use him in very important situations. So now they're going to have to pivot. I don't think they're going to go to the backup tight end to do so. There's a reason he's the backup tight end, you know? Um, so I hope Devontae Smith will uh, will get see that usage uptick, but I just can't guarantee it. Um, I mean, do you think they're going to go to Right now, the backup to Dallas Goddard is Grant Calcaterra. So, I mean, that's a name no one's ever heard of. Calcaterra, huh? Calcaterra. Let me pull out my TI-84 and fucking calculate what this guy's <laughs> stats are going to be. 
So I mean, we'll see what happens yeah. there. I hope it. I mean, someone obviously has to step up in the in the absence, and I would expect Devonte Smith to be that person. Um, so I would say this week, yes, you can start Devonte Smith with confidence. Okay, let's talk about receivers on the other side of the ball. You know, the Colts did confirm that Matt Ryan is going to be the starter this week after leading the Colts to a W in the most recent Sunday. Matt Ryan had a pretty decent game, you know. Um, Didn't turn the ball over, had two touchdowns. He actually ran one in, which is surprising from someone who has the worst pocket presence in the league. But, you know, things happen sometimes. Sun shines on a dog ass some days. But right this week, you know, the Eagles have one of the best defenses in the league. So outside of Jonathan Taylor, who is a must-start, are you comfortable throwing anyone else in the lineup? You know, what about Michael Pittman? He had nine targets from Matt Ryan last week, caught seven of them, didn't really do much. You know, he had 53 yards. So it, it, it's an interesting, uh, interesting game we got going on here. Yeah, I mean, he's another guy who's getting an absolute ton of targets and catching a lot of them. I mean, that's why, like, He's one of those super polarizing guys because, like, in PPR leagues, he's right. He's receiver 16, but in standard leagues, he's 32 because there's no yardage behind these catches he's getting. So it's really hard to determine what to do with him. But I will say, this week, I am benching Michael Pittman. This Eagles offense, or defense, I'm sorry, is too stingy. I mean, they get after the quarterback. They force turnovers. They just do all the things that make, you know, the life of the opposing offense absolute hell. And if they're able to shut down Justin Jefferson, who might have just made the catch of all time in this game against Buffalo, then uh, they can shut down Michael Pittman. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I agree with you. Love me some Michael Pittman, but yeah, we we just need to see more out of him. Because, yeah, unless you're in a PPR league, like you said, you're really not seeing much out of him. And we don't really play PPR leagues very often. No, we we basically only play PPR leagues. We don't play standard anymore. Um, well, we play half PPR, so it, it right. kind of changes. It's like last week he had nine points off of that performance, which isn't horrible. Borderline flex, maybe. But I need more out of that out of Michael Pittman, man. I mean, he, most people would have drafted him as their wide receiver too. So, um, yeah, you would exactly. you should be expecting more out of that. Also, I just want to yeah. say I think you're salty about Matt Ryan rolling off a 39 yard run, his career long, against the Raiders last week. Um. Yeah. Anyways, let's talk about this next game. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it, and um, dude, the one dude that was like chasing him, like stopped running. I was like, oh shit, maybe we should actually tackle him. <sighs> God damn it! I got PTSD, dude. We're just gonna move <laughs> on from that. <laughs> so the Jets are playing the Patriots in New England. Patriots are the three point favorites. The over under is thirty eight and a half points. Jets are coming off a bye week, and before this bye week, if you haven't, you know, if you already wiped this out of your memory, they did beat the Bills. Now they get another tough matchup against the Patriots. Do you think they can get the running game going this week against the Patriots? You know, I'm honest, I don't think so. The Patriots are very good against the run. Um, It's by far what they're best against. I mean, they only give up 15 points a game to running backs. It's the second best mark in the league. But, but, in that week eight, week eight matchup, which is only, you know, three weeks ago, 
Zach Wilson put up basically his best game of the season with 355 yards. He did throw a couple of interceptions, which, which weren't great, but they were absolutely moving the ball through the air. So I think that's what you're going to rely on from the Jets this, this week. I think Zach Wilson, decent little streaming option, which is good when you have, you know, guys like Tua on, on by, I think his connection with Garrett Wilson has been getting stronger every week. So I think you can play Garrett Wilson and Tyler Conklin, who's been like, a guy you could throw in, um, you know, against certain matchups on this season so far. He had two touchdowns against the Patriots back in week eight. So I think you can roll with Conklin as well. Um, I would downgrade Carter and James Robinson pretty significantly. If I'm going to lean towards one of them, because I have to, it would be James Robinson, because I think he gets a lot more workload coming out of the bye week after they've been able to, you know, work him into the game plan. Yep, yep, I'm mostly with you, besides the fact that you said Tyler Conklin and not Tyler's Conklin. <laughs> you know how that goes. And it sounds like he is your Conklin this week. Yeah, but it's so, so yeah. bad when it comes to tight ends, man. Every every time I, I throw my money on, on a Tyler at tight end, they burn me. I don't know what it is. They're the they're Tyler's don't like to play nice when it comes to the tight end position, apparently. Everyone else we're we're fucking Gucci. But tight end positions like to burn me when it comes to Tyler's. Well, you know, how about you just take your take back and then I'll say it. Tyler's Conklin. <laughs> Definitely worth it. Definitely worth a start. And I agree with you with the running back situation. Shouldn't be very promising, but if I'm rolling with one, it's going to be James Robinson. He did lead the Jets in carries before the bye. That was after being traded to the team the week before. So he should only get even, you know, uh, he should get a larger share than he did his first actual week with the team. So, yeah. If you got to throw that flyer out there, it would be James Robinson. And the running back situation does get scary outside of the top 10 guys. So I would not be surprised if, you know, if I had James Robinson on my teams, I would be starting him. I really wouldn't be surprised. You, you don't yeah, have much more options. Yep. And he, he could be a decent play. I would definitely, um, I I'd definitely flex him. And honestly, maybe even throw him in the RB2 situation just because if you're someone like me who drafted Jafonte Williams, and um, why can't I think of his name right now? Damn it, Rashad Penny. There's a couple of leagues where I did that. I'm totally screwed at running back. So I would feel comfortable putting in James Robinson in that kind of situation if you're someone like me. But on the Patriots side of the ball, outside of Ramondre Stevenson, who has been absolutely killing it, who really took advantage of the fact that Damian Harris got injured a few weeks ago, is there any Patriots that we're putting into our lineups? I don't think so, honestly. Um, I saw a really interesting bit on NFL Live today, actually. I was watching that um, when I was actually trying to put this doc together for us. And they talked pretty extensively about this disconnect between Mac Jones and his receivers. And essentially, no one's realizing that, like, Mac Jones's drop back and where his receivers are breaking off their routes aren't syncing up at all. Every time Mac Jones is ready to throw, none of his receivers are even close to coming out of their break. And so hopefully the Patriots will be doing some self-scouting and seeing this, but it doesn't look at it like they have been because it's been happening for weeks. And so what's happening is that then Mac Jones is having to scramble and try to make, you know, second and third, like these weird secondary options where now he's, you know, throwing way off balance. Um, bad arm placements, not in rhythm, and he's a rhythm passer. And so until that gets fixed, 
I don't think you can really trust any of these guys outside of Ramondre Stevenson. That is a good point. I already believed that you shouldn't trust any of these guys before you said that. Now that you brought that up, it just makes it an even better point. So yeah, Ramondre Stevenson on the Patriots, the only person we're fucking with this week. Uh, it seems like really for a while moving forward until they get that passing game figured out. So let's talk about the next game here. We got the L.A. Rams going to Nolens, playing the <laughs> Saints. The Saints are four-point favorites. Over-unders 39 points, the lowest over-under of the morning games. That I, yeah, the lowest over-under of the morning games, 39 points. Very low over-under. Actually, lowest over-under so, of the entire week, regardless of ooh. early or late game. Yeah, that's extremely low, 39 points. That's pretty bad. So Vegas expects this game to be kind of a shit show. Matthew Stafford on the Rams, still in concussion protocol. Causing a miss last week's game. Uh, but Coach Sean McVay did say he's trending upwards and should be ready to play this weekend. I forgot who took his place. He didn't look horrible, was, but he wasn't was great Wolford. either. I mean, he yeah, Wolford. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't good by any means. Uh, I think he was adequate at best. Yeah, Wolford was looking like a domesticated cat bird. Okay, wasn't really wolfing it up. Or I guess a wolf would be a dog. Looks like a pup bird. Whatever. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> he wasn't killing it. <laughs> you tried, man. I'll give you. I'll give you an A for effort. Yeah, I'm trying out here. Either way, I think the biggest news of this game is that Cooper Cup, you know, he did get his uh, knee rolled up on as he was coming down from a catch last week. And he was officially placed on IR as of today, uh, Wednesday. And he's going to have surgery on his ankle. So that means a minimum four weeks if anytime someone's placed on IR. There's no timetable for his return right now. But when it comes to surgery, it seems like, you know, it, it pretty much ruins anything you have for Cooper Cup, anything you have hopes-wise for fantasy football. And the real question, once you know we, we accept that fantasy fate, is who's going to step up in his absence? Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, Ben Skoranek, Tyler's <laughs> Higby, Skoranek. Ben Skoranek, <laughs> um, the other white receiver. So, yes. Yeah, that's that's how I remember him. Anytime a white guy catches the ball, I'm like, oh, oh, that's the other guy. Okay. Um, honestly, I'll just say it right now. Van Jefferson, someone we talked about in the waiver wire episode. I really think he's the one who is the biggest beneficiary out of Cooper Cup not being there. Allen Robinson, we already see like what's been happening all year. I, I just can't expect anything to really change. The, the two guys is going to be Van Jefferson and Ben Skoranek, in my opinion. Um, Tyler Higby probably getting a bigger uptick, but Van Jefferson to me is the absolute winner of this. What do you think? I, man, I don't know. Um, obviously, I agree with you about Allen Robinson. Um, if he can't get open with Cooper Cup on the field, how the hell is he going to get open with Cooper Cup off the field? Um, he can't make any separation, so that 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 ship that you know it's it's sailed, it's gone. Um, I don't know between Van Jefferson and Skaronic, um <clears throat> I would see it as a top as an absolute toss up. The problem is like Van Jefferson hasn't really played most of this year because he was injured to, be, to start the season, and then uh, uh, Skoranek has shown flashes and that you know and has had a little bit of a connection with Stafford even going back to last season. 
So I don't really know what to expect. One of them is certainly going to be the breakout, but I think you're flipping a coin on who it actually will be. I will say this, though. I think Van Jefferson is the more talented wide receiver, but that doesn't mean much when he's still, you know, working his way back from injury. Yeah, I'm with you. And he's also, you know, he's not really the white color for Matt. If Matt Stafford comes back to be throwing the ball to. Um, I mean, he showed some stuff last year. He he did show some stuff last year. Like he had a couple of games where like, damn, this guy could really do something in this league. And then there's other days where he completely, you know, evaporates. So I don't know what to expect. Honestly, if I'm going to be completely honest, I like Van Jefferson a lot. Um, I, that's the guy I'm rooting to have the breakout um, with in Cooper Cup's absence. I just can't, you know, bank on it. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you on everything. He's definitely more talented, and that's why I think he will be the one who benefits the most from this. So that's why I'm rolling with Van over, you know, Ben Skoranek. But let's talk about the other side of the ball. The Saints. They're going to have Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback. Once again, they're rolling with him. And even though they are just two and five during the games that Andy Dalton has started, he looked absolutely trash <laughs> last week. <laughs> so it makes sense they're two and five in the games that he has played. But, you know, they're still rolling with Andy Dalton. So if Andy Dalton's playing, you know, does that mean Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara? Are they going to be productive for you? I mean, they've been productive for basically the entire time Dolan's been playing. Uh, when it comes to a football standpoint, he's more consistent, but I think Jameis Winston gives them the better chance to really win most of their games, uh, even though he might be a little more up and down. So, I mean, honestly, I think regardless of who plays, you're okay rolling with Olave and Kamara any week. Obviously, Kamara, um, he might have fallen a little bit in your draft just based off of, you know, what he had going on in, in the personal situation and, you know, possibly in his run with the law. But <clears throat> you're probably still still playing because I think the farthest he dropped in most leagues is about the fourth round. So you're still going to roll with him. Olave's been killing it as a rookie this season. And I don't see that changing. So I think you can still expect both of them to be, be productive. Um, I know it's a long way of saying it. It's very long-winded that way. But yes, I think you can still roll with both of them. I'm with you. Um, Alvin Kamara has been pretty inconsistent, but you know, someone you really can't just not start. So yeah, I'm with you on those points. Let's talk about the next game here. Detroit Lions are playing in New York against the Giants. And the Giants are three-point favorites. The over-under is 45 points. And it looks like the Lions are still, you know, kind of easing DeAndre Swift back into the mix since he came back from injury. I personally think it's going to continue to happen as the season goes on. But, you know, when does he become uh, relevant in the running back one conversation? You know how I feel about DeAndre Swift. So, (laughs) yeah, I I do. And in all honesty, I mean, I just made a big trade in our main league um, to bring in DeAndre Swift. I gave it. All right, just to throw this guys out for everyone to understand this trade. I traded away Joe Mixon. I'm getting back DeAndre Swift, James Robinson, and Alan Lazard. Um, I'm doing that mostly because I didn't love my wide receiver depth, and he gives me a, Lazard gives me a little bit extra. 
but I like the upside that both Robinson and Swift give me. With that being said, um, I do believe I wouldn't have made that trade if I didn't believe that Swift wasn't going to see an uptick in his usage as the season goes along. Um, I know they're trying; they were trying to ease him in. His first game back, they thought they used him way too much. They're worried about about that how that was going to be. And then I know last week uh, Dan Campbell did say they were expecting him to get get a lot more touches, and they completely reversed field on that one, and he got very few touches. But I think he's going to get more usage going forward. Obviously, that's what I'm hoping for as well since I just traded for him. But I do believe that you are going to be okay putting Swift uh, back into your lineups. Maybe even this week. I know the Giants aren't a great matchup. Uh, They have been a little stingy against running back. But I think they're just going to start using Swift more. He's the more talented running back over Jamal Williams, even as good as Jamal Williams is. I like Jamal Williams as a very good RB2, and he gets a lot of good usage. But again. I think Swift is a, just too talented to deny him the football when he's truly gives you a better chance of winning football games. Uh, okay, I mean, that's what you think. I don't agree, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I did just make this this trade, so maybe I'm trying to convince myself that was a good move. Because uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I've been I've been like staring at this trade. It's already accepted; it's happening regardless. But I'm getting like a little cold feet about it, and I'm kind of like sweating it. So I'm hyping myself up that he's gonna bounce back, even though that's the that's quite the reasoning I had in my mind when I accepted the trade. Um, but I still see. It. I think at the foundation of it, Swift is gonna come back and have a good back half of the season. Oh God! Well, you know, prayers be with you because that shit—that shit ain't gonna happen, dude. I'm sorry, but you know, <laughs> that's just how I feel. That's how I've always I felt know. about DeAndre you Swift. You hate DeAndre Swift. You have something against him. I do, and uh, he hasn't given me a reason to not feel that way. So, besides the fact that, like, the first two games of the of the season, he dominated, and then he got hurt. Yeah. And then he got hurt, exactly. Just like I said about Michael Thomas, man. Like You can't trust them injury-prone guys. So, yeah, I'm on Ross St. Brown. He's a must-start. Uh, what about Jared Goff? You messing with Jared Goff? Not this week. Um, The Giants' defense is... They're a decent defense. That's the one thing that's weird. Even though, you know, they're playing a lot of close games and, you know, teams do tend to score on them a little bit. Overall, they're a decent little defense. So... Goff, I'm I'm away from, especially because this offense as a whole has started to slow down. Uh, I know they scored like 30 points last week against Chicago, but with Chicago, uh, the Giants' defense is a lot better. So, uh, Goff, I'm not messing with this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So pretty much, I'm on Ryan St. Brown. He's the only person we can both agree on. You like DeAndre Swift, but I do like DeAndre Swift. Um, honestly, I said last week. That was a concern with this offense and Amon Ra becoming a little bit, you know, mat- he wasn't matchup proof. You had to play the right matchup for him to have a really good game. I did say last week you could do that against the Bears and he, you know, came through for us. I don't know if this week he has as good of a game, though I am still going to roll with him. Um, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's a hunch. Because the Giants are actually really good against receivers. They're the third best team in the league. But it's just a hunch that I think you can roll with Amra this week. Which kind of contradicts everything I just said. But I don't know, man. A hunch is a hunch. 
a hunch is a hunch, and uh, yeah, well, you got a hunch about DeAndre Swift, you're the hunch back in Notre Dame. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> I'm hunching on these on the lines a lot here. <laughs> Let's talk about the giant side of the ball then. Uh, Daniel Jones, he's got a pretty good matchup this week. Do you see him as a streaming option? Um, uh, man, he's up in the air for me. It's so tough because he does give you a little bit of upside on the ground. Um, he's ran for at least 20 yards in all but one game this year. So that's an extra couple of points in each, each week, which gives him, you know, raises his floor a little bit. When it comes to how many, you know, fantasy relevant quarterbacks are out this week though. Yeah, I think Jones is a decent little flex play. Or I'm sorry, not flex play, a streaming option for for managers this week. Um, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of guys on by, even the quarterback position, that which you might normally take over Daniel Jones, or you know more than likely would, but they're gone this week. So Jones isn't doesn't give you a a bad option at the quarterback as a streaming you know play. Okay. Well, what about obviously you know Saquon Barkley? <laughs> Saquon. Well, hold on, wait, wait. What are, what are your thoughts on on Daniel Jones? Uh, I mean, Daniel Jones. I I feel like I've always liked him. You know, as a fantasy prospect, it's just a matter of things coming together for him. He he's put together some decent games this year. You know, he is number sixteen quarterback overall. He only has three games where he's thrown, you know, more than one touchdown. He has four games where he hasn't even thrown a touchdown. So, yeah, it's definitely, you're throwing a flyer out there on him. It's not the worst one, but it's definitely a risk you're taking. It's just, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, there's legitimately, there's all four teams that are on by this week have guys at quarterback you would, you know, more or less have in your, in your option, you know, in your lineup, uh, the only one that's kind of up in the air is Tom Brady because he's not been throwing a lot of touchdowns. He's got plenty of yards, but not a million touchdowns. But Geno Smith is a top ten quarterback this year. Two was a top, what I think, three quarterback this year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been a streaming option almost every game this season so far because um, he's right on the fringe of that tw- of that number twelve level. So that's four guys, uh, which is you know a third of generally your starting quarterbacks every week. And so I think you take three, you know, four guys away, and Daniel Jones then immediately moves up to, you know, probably the, at least the number 12 spot, which gives you QB1 numbers. Ah, that's pretty convincing. Yeah, I can roll with that. Well, so if you're starting Daniel Jones, do you start any receivers? No. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm with Because I'm sure one guy, I'm sure one receiver will have a good a good game, whether it be Rondell Robin, Wondell Robinson. Darius Slayton's, um, but then you're, there's too much like individualness or not. Individual, there's too much spreading of the ball in this offense to go ahead and determine which receiver is going to be able to go into your lineup. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally with you. Very unpredictable. Let's talk about the next game here. Carolina Panthers playing in Baltimore against the Ravens. The Ravens are 12 point favorites. Overrunners 41 and a half points. Another game where Vegas thinks, you know, the, the Ravens are going to absolutely smoke the Panthers. It looks like this week for the Panthers, Baker Mayfield is set to get the start. 
since P.J. Walker is now dealing with an ankle injury. So with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, does that make D.J. Moore absolutely unplayable? Because it seems like P.J. Walker is the only person who wants to throw the ball to D.J. Moore. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, absolutely. With the Panthers team, I'll, th- I'll go ahead and throw in uh, Dante Foreman, or Dante Foreman, however you want to pronounce it. However he pronounces it, I'm not really sure. But Foreman you can throw into your lineup, <laughs> and everyone else I wouldn't even consider. Yep, yeah, I'm totally with you. So let's talk about the Ravens side of the ball then. Mark Andrews, you know, did practice in a limited fashion on Wednesday. He has knee and shoulder injuries. They're pretty optimistic that he is going to play on Sunday. But if he doesn't, you know, Isaiah likely has looked very, very good in, uh, you know, filling in for Mark Andrews. That's someone I've been stashing on a dynasty league um, pretty much all season since preseason. And I, I feel pretty decent about Isaiah likely. If, if Mark Andrews doesn't play, I do like Isaiah Likely, you know, as his fill-in. No, Likely is a very good, talented uh, player. He's really built a lot more like a receiver than a tight end. Um, his only problem is going to be, especially early in his career, that he's sitting behind, you know, arguably the best tight end in the league. Um, I, I, I Personally, I'm going to put my money on Travis Kelsey for the best tight end, but Mark Andrews is right there with him. Um, that's going to be his only problem because like, it's going to be hard for him to ever flourish or even carve out a decent role in the offense um, while Andrews is there. So it does sound like Andrews is going to play this week, so don't rely on likely likely going into your lineup. Um, it's probably not going to happen. Andrews should be back. But I agree with you in terms of likely's talent. In dynasty leagues where you might be able to hold on to him for a few years and maybe Mark Andrews you know, walks away after you know, a contract dispute or something like that, then you might be in business. Yeah. Yeah, he looks very good. So, yeah, pretty much everything you said, I agree with. <laughs> Let's talk about the running backs. Uh, Gus Edwards returned to practice on Wednesday, obviously in a limited fashion after missing the game last week. Well, not last week. Uh, missing the game two weeks ago before their bye week last week. Kenny and Drake continue to, you know, fill in pretty nicely when Gus Edwards is not there. But if Gus Edwards does play, how do we see this backfield playing out? I I don't know, honestly. Um, it's so hard to tell because Gus Edwards has such little playing time this season. Um, in the one game he was fully healthy, he had he only played thirty six percent of the snaps, but got sixteen carries in that. Whereas like Kenyon Drake played almost sixty percent of the snaps in that game, but only had seven carries. Now, both performed very well in, in, with the carries they, they received, so it's hard to see what's going to happen. Um, but then when Kenyon Drake is there by himself, he's been very good also. Um, so I think ultimately you see more, in terms of production at least, you're going to see kind of a 50-50 when it comes to production, which makes each guy low-end flex plays. Um, if Gus Edwards does play this weekend, if he's if he's healthy, obviously if, Edwards is out, then Kenyon Drake, you elevate, and he should be in everyone's lineup. But if they both play, I think they're both low-end flexes at best. Yeah, I pretty much agree with what you said. <clears throat> you know, it, it seems like they do like Gus Edwards a lot, especially you know, off of that one game that he did play. He got majority carries on way less snaps. But it's hard to deny Kenyon Drake just because of, you know, when he does get his chance, especially as of late, he does pretty damn good. 
and I've talked about it a lot in this podcast. I do not like Kenny and Drake, <laughs> but he 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 has proved me wrong. You know, when he does get the opportunity, it does work. So for the most part, he also was one of those running backs who like when he pops, he pops, but then his games he disappears. He really disappears in, and it's just kind of weird though that, that happens. Like so, like against New Orleans, for instance, twenty four carries, ninety three yards, and two touchdowns. You know, not a great average, but he scored two touchdowns the week before against Tampa. Seven carries for 62 yards is an eight-yard average. Really good. Like, you love that. But in the week before that against Cleveland of all teams, he had 11 carries for five yards. Like, that's that weird bit. Like, when he's not seeing the hole, he's really not seeing the hole, and he can't seem to get out of it. So that's the one downside to him. It's, you know, it can be a little volatile or trusting him. But, I mean, so far this season, I will say more often than not, he's produced. Yep, and I hate to say it, but he has. So, you know, if Gus Edwards is out, I, I would not feel bad about playing Kenyon Drake, even though I have him in zero leagues because I fucking do not like him. But apparently <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, uh, you just don't want to admit it. It's like a forbidden <laughs> love for you. Yeah, pretty much. Um, let's talk about the last game of our episode here, wrapping it up for the early games. The Washington Commanders are going to Houston. They're playing the Texans. The Texans, I mean, sorry, the Commanders are three-point favorites. The over-under is 40.5 points. And the Commanders announced on Wednesday that Tyler Taylor Heineke will get the start this week. They did I seem mean, to play better with Tyler. Heineke. Oh, yeah, yeah Tyler's Heineke. You know? <laughs> the team did play better with him. So, you know, as far as we're concerned, fantasy-wise, that's what we want to hear. We need some yards to come out of this goddamn offense. And if Taylor Heineke is going to be the guy who does it, then so be it. I personally have never disliked him. So I I don't feel bad about Taylor Heineke being the quarterback for him. I mean, they're they're four and two with him as their as their starter, and Carson once I think was two and four. So they play better with him. The team is, I think enjoy playing for him because he gives it everything he has on every play. I mean, he said it like this is like the second or third time he's like been in the league or been kicked out of the league. And so he says he plays every game like it's his last because it literally could be his last game every time he steps on the field because of the way people, you know, more or less disrespect. Him. I feel like at this point, the way he plays when he's on the field, he's earned a minimum of a backup role for the rest of you know his career for the next 10 seasons, honestly. He plays too well to not like give him that shot and have him be on a roster. Now, does that matter for fantasy? No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> but, but I agree. This team, this offense runs better with him at the helm. And as long as he's there, I think all the guys we've been talking about for most of the season, whether it be Scary Terry, Curtis Samuel, um, whoever you want to throw in a running back that week, uh, you can kind of rely on to have at least a decent game. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And with, you know, speaking of running backs, let's talk about Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Uh, Brian Robinson, to me, looks like the better running back, someone who seems to help them get down the field a little bit better. But Antonio Gibson continues to just, you know, stay relevant now that Brian Robinson was named the starter five weeks ago. Ever since that's happened, Brian, you know, Antonio Gibson has had three 15 or three double digit games. Let's just say that. So, you know, starting games, 
at running back ever since Brian Robinson was named the starter. So it's kind of a dart throw with these guys, right? A little bit, yeah. I mean, when Brian Robinson became the starter, Riverboat Ron made it sound like he was the guy. Like, I mean, even in the preseason, like Antonio Gibson was like being pushed out of this offense completely. But Riverboat Ron, as we know, is a gambler and he bluffed us all because this thing has become really as close to a 50-50 committee as you can see it. Um, they both look good in the offense. They're using them in kind of different ways, but it's working out for both of them where they are both, you know, fancy relevant guys. Antonio Gibson on the season and he's played a lot more games is, you know, running back 17. Robinson obviously is a lot farther down when you look at just the overall season because he missed five games. But, uh, you know, on a game to game basis, like he's still playing well. And this week specifically against the Texans, who we all know give up, an absurd amount of points to running backs. They're both, you know, worthy plays. Yeah, it's interesting how that works because yeah, even with their wide receiver situation, which we're you know just gonna dive into right now, you know, they have they have two wide receivers that are both worthy of starting. You know, Scary Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. Personally, I like Terry McLaurin way more than Curtis Samuel just because of his usage. But, you know, Curtis Samuel, he's not that far in the distance as far as being relevant. He, he He's flirting with it. But, you know, Scary Terry, I think, is the guy who you can start on this offense receiving-wise. In the last four weeks, he has, what, 25, 36 targets. Yeah, three double-digit games. Uh, his worst game was eight point one points. You know, it's he's doing pretty good right now in the year. He's thirteenth overall in PPR or standard leagues. Yeah, I mean they have two top twenty receivers on this offense right now, which seems crazy, but they do. Um, and I agree with you, especially this week. So the Texans are so bad against the run that they're actually a good matchup against receivers because teams just don't have to throw the ball on them. Um, they just dominate, <laughs> you know, they're just awful. They're so bad against the run that receivers can't produce because there's no point in ever throwing the ball. And so I agree with you this week for sure. Scary Terry is the much better play. And that's probably the way that it is the rest of the season. Um, at the beginning of the year, Curtis Samuel certainly had the the target share, the usage share over McLaurin pretty, pretty easily. Um, that was with, you know, obviously Carson Wentz at the helm. But since we've gone back to Taylor Heineke, Scary Terry is getting a lot more looks. He's getting a lot more usage, especially down the field. And so his his upside is way higher than Samuels is right now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, what, 73 targets in 13 games? That's a pretty solid number. We're seeing at least yes, it is. five, yeah, at least five and a half targets a game. A lot more as of late. So, yeah, especially with Heineke at quarterback. So you make a good point. Yeah, I mean, Samuel started off the season with three straight double-digit target games and then didn't fall far off that. He had seven, eight, five, eight. But in the last three games, only four targets in each last three games. And that's all with Heineke in there. And clear this offense is changing a little bit. And so Curtis Samuel seems to be kind of being pushed off to the side a little bit um, is being used as more as the true number two receiver here with scary Terry being a true number one, getting eight, eight, nine and 11 targets last four games. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's crazy they're both top 20 receivers. So, interesting offense, but you know, fuck it, dude. If it happens in the fantasy world, we're just going to let that shit ride, and you might as well just roll with it. Gotta roll with it. Yes, sir. And I think that's just about wraps it up for us for our early games, start of the weeks for week I guess we 11. Text, just touch on the Texans. It's Damian Pierce and no one else. And that's all you need to know. Shit, I didn't even realize we didn't even talk about the Texans. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's, I feel like that's a given. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Damian Pierce, nobody else. That's what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, that pretty much wraps up uh, the episode for this week. You know, if you want to hear our late game starts of the week, it's going to come out on Friday morning. When we're talking about the Sunday afternoon games, the Sunday night football game, Monday night football game. And basically doing the exact same setup that we just did right now. Talking about every single game, who we like, who we don't like. But we're also, which in my mind is the most important part of the week, we give our starts of the week. So you want to know who we're really messing with this week? Listen to that episode. We'll do our starts of the week and end it with our starts of the week. Did I say that right? I think I said it twice. Honestly, I kind of zoned out. Either way, we're going to do a late game starts (laughs) of the week. Our late game starts and our starts of the week. Either way, you see what I'm getting at. Um, If you're still listening, make sure you like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to on right now. Give us five stars, five stars only, nothing less. And if you're on Twitter, if you're not following us by now, I don't know why you're not. Just do it. Interact with us. Send us some DMs. Send us some questions about fantasy football. We're all about it at the FF Fathers. So, yeah, hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you on Friday with our late game starts and our starts of the week. Bye.